The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Persistent and Nasty Podcast has teamed up with We Edition to offer our listeners 25% off monthly subscription. Head over to We Edition and type in NASTY, all capital letters, 25 at checkout. I have said it before, I will say it again. We Edition really are the future of casting. And also you can make money while being a member on the site. You can um, be a scene partner for people and you can help with accents. You can just generally help each other out. And it's a really important thing for us to do, especially during these times and just a lovely way to have community. Our other offer for our listeners is still with Backstage. Backstage are offering our actors 12 months free subscription. You heard that right, 12 months free if you follow the link in the description box. For casting directors, you can post free castings when you type in Persistent and Nasty at checkout. Hello, you gorgeous lot, and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? Remember to turn your clocks forward. Turn your clocks forward, put your clocks forward. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if anybody's still even got clocks in their house. Um, forward on Sunday, the 28th of March, 2021, if you're in the UK, obviously. Um, today's episode, we speak to the incredible Shakara Carter. Shakara is a performer, creator, actress, oh, all-round amazing, wonderful human being. And we discuss her latest piece of work called Triptych. Spoiler warning, about 50 minutes in, we discussed um, part two of Triptych, um, which does have a big uh, surprise in it. So if you haven't seen it yet, I suggest watching it. Um, And if you still want to listen to the episode before watching Triptych, just remember that there is a spoiler round about the 50 minute mark. Um, And probably for about seven or eight minutes she mentions something else later on. We are so happy to be able to say that our weekly coffee mornings celebrate a year. Today, that's right, Friday the 26th of March, we are celebrating one year of our coffee morning. Um, the coffee mornings have been an amazing part of getting me and I know um, the rest of the PNN crew through lockdown. Um, the community... Um, of artists and beyond that we have created and supported uh, this last year is humbling and gratifying and um, we are really just glad to have been able to help everyone and do what we can. You can follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty and send us a wee email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com remember to like subscribe download and review the episodes it really 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 makes a huge difference to getting our message out there to more people 
And again, if you want to keep supporting us, because as you know, we are unfunded and we are trying to keep doing our advocacy work and just being there for all of you when we can. Um, chuck us the price of a cup of coffee. Um, all details in the episode description below. So, um, since it's our coffee morning birthday, why don't you have some sparkles, some wine, hot chocolate with some marshmallows and cream, whatever you beverage you decide, sit back, relax and enjoy. Like when you're ovulating, you are more glowy and you are mm. like, you dress better and you've got more confidence. And then when you're like menstruating, you need more naps and Ooh. you feel crap and you're bloated, but like actually like I feel like you need to repeat that that um again now that we're recording because <laughs> <laughs> um I feel like I must be ovulating then today because I have specifically put a slinky dress on for you ladies <gasps> oh yeah and I got the big Asian earrings so um so the study was that uh was um women sex workers who worked in a strip club were their tips were recorded and half of the women were had their natural cycles and half were on birth control. And the women who retained their natural cycles uh, earned loads more tips when they were ovulating and then less, and then they had a dip after that. And the women who were on birth control, their tips were consistent throughout the month. Were they, did they like, was there any kind of like, was the consistent tips like less than the ovulation tips? Or was it? Yeah, this is really, I don't know what this, like, you know, I, like whether this is ironic or not, but it worked out to be the same. <laughs> How amazing. I feel like a statement, isn't it? And on that note, Shakara Carter, welcome to <laughs> the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. <laughs> it's fine. It's just, yeah, let's we'll call it body positivity. <laughs> really? We all sweat. Yeah, we do. We all sweat. But we are so delighted to have you here on the podcast. Finally, it has been, it's been in my pipeline for a long time. I'm very excited to finally have you here to talk Thanks. about all the exciting stuff that you're up to and doing and just share your wisdom. With <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> so why don't um, we start with a little pot of history of you, Jack? Why don't you give our listeners the Shag experience? <laughs> Um, yes, I can do that. It's nice and short, like my nickname. Um, I, oh, wait, uh, but it is also very complicated. I um, go for it, all of it. All of it is important. Everything that you've started, wherever you want to start it from. I'll, yeah, I'll probably have to jump around and be non linear, but who wants who to? Who is linear? Anyway, <laughs> we're I don't think we do linear, do we? That's yeah, no, I, I was just, um, Oh, should I? I'm just gonna. I was just reading about a new book on feminist narratives. Do you two know what it's called? Because I have forgotten the name of it. Um, and it's basic. Okay, I can. I'm like massively misquoting the person who told me about it. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, they the introduction starts with this female writer saying. Uh, so normal narrative beginning middle and end linear we we start with like a, a point of interest and then it starts to build until it reaches um, 
like a momentum and then it hits a climactic point and then it recedes does that anything sound I sound familiar to you (laughs) and it's all about the like the I was gonna say phallic then it's because of Misha's carrot (laughs) sorry I was eating a carrot and hummus and it distracted Shaq right from the get-go um, we, we should point out the carrot was not cut into batons <laughs> earlier. It was just one very large carrot. Giant fuck off carrot. It was a fine carrot. <laughs> a carrot of fine <laughs> um, but yeah, so the point being that the that traditional narratives very like uh the argument being not necessarily mine, that it's very that they're quite male and uh like Whereas narrative can work in waves and spirals and explosions. Um, yeah, and actually, yeah, that's really interesting. Anyway, to come back to the point of why I was talking about I don't know what this book is, but we need to find out. So if anybody does know, please let us know. Mm, yeah, yeah, I really want to, I was going to say buy it, but I think probably I'll just borrow it. <laughs> that's, that's how I roll. <laughs> um. So I guess the reason I'm talking about this is because I've just been training for a year, well, for nine months because my course got put on hold. So I'm studying at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, uh, acting, and I came to acting secondarily. So my first career was technically as a director, although I always avoid talking about it because I was so bad. Um, nevertheless, I learned a lot and it was a really good experience to have been a director with a resident director with a theatre company for two years before giving up all career things and going away, travelling. It's really, <laughs> it's really embarrassing. I literally just, I went to India and I found myself like some middle class white boy called Tyler. Maybe <laughs> not Tyler, maybe like Justin. um but I did I found myself also because I'm mixed race Bangladeshi so it was really great to be in India and be around other Asian people after having not had that experience ever um yeah and I went to Bangladesh and then I came back and swore that I would never go anywhere near theatre ever again (laughs) and I committed to capitalism hardcore and I worked in four different offices within six months which I now see was you know probably didn't help that journey of commitment um and I never got fired I just left because I repeatedly discovered that um working in offices which I'd been told to do since I was quite young having worked in theatre a lot um, oh, you should get a real job and work in an office. And I was like, yes, I'm going to get a real job and I'm going to work in an office and go to dance classes in the evening and learn a language and be cool. And then I discovered that I was literally being paid to just be busy for eight hours of my day. Um, and all of the reasons that I'd left theatre, um, when people ask me, I would say, you know, it's, it's really hard in theatre. You don't get much pay. Um, people steal each other's ideas like quite often. And you don't, um, and obviously I was just a bit, a bit a negative about it and only seeing the bad side. Um, and then I worked in offices and I discovered managers stealing their employees' ideas constantly uh, and people getting fired when they are eight months pregnant and with no like severance pay and um, and just like what, like the hotbed of, of like inequality actually like massively um being like echo chambered in offices 
made me realize what an absolute scam all of that was. So I left and I went on tour with a children's show <laughs> about how kids should not bully each other. Um, it was very wholesome. And I did that. And that was when I started acting in January, 2016. And then I kind of uh, like a little bit fell into puppetry and a little bit into acting for three years. Um, but then I decided to apply for a master's and then I broke my leg and had to spend all of my savings on surviving for a year. Uh, nevertheless, I got into drama school and all of my friends helped me to pay for my first term of fees, uh, which is, yeah, I actually just, um, I kind of just sometimes cry when I think about how great they all were. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of it, a short history, recent history. <laughs> that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Aw, thanks guys. Just, you know, that thing about, it's that thing, that powerful thing about friendship yeah. as well. That, you know, your friends are there for you no matter what. And they'll find a way to help you how they can. Mm. And when the shit hits the fan, they do it. I mean, it's really, it's, I mean, that's a, that's a lesson in what being a human is. Yeah, I really agree. Um, do you know the sayings, blood is thicker than water? Have I rabbited on about this to you already once? Maybe maybe once, but I loved it. Shall I say it for the sake of the Always. <laughs> All the listeners can enjoy this. Um, so yeah, uh, blood is thicker than water is like a saying that's traditionally used to, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, um, that's traditionally used to say like family, blood family is more important than other people but actually the saying has been misquoted for a really long time and the original saying is blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb so the actual meaning of the original saying is the people that you choose uh, so the blood of the covenant is in the, the like cup that you pass around and you all drink from together which I think is really like that in itself is really beautiful and valid and um like really sad that we've lost that although that would be a covid nightmare wouldn't it <laughs> right now <laughs> in when i was in morocco we like that was pretty standard you eat you eat from the same bowl you just reach in and have your little wedge that you eat from um with your hands and also you drink from the same cup <clears throat> anyway random tangent but it really saves on dishes i like that plan <laughs> yeah it that's good. such an it's it's an I think probably every culture has that somewhere along the line you know because in the clan culture of Scotland like the quake is a really important thing where the clans would be joining together and the heads of the clans would drink from the same quake um and now that's seen as a symbol of family and togetherness so I think probably there's something in most cultures I would imagine where that is a really important um what's the word I'm looking for ritual thank you you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> my little face going mm, my brain is not working oh. but yeah but it is and obviously we've lost a lot of that mm. we've lost a lot of lots of those things yeah and the notion of like yeah and community it just being yeah it's community and Oh man, yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? Especially when you're living in a world where you're just like, well, and I really get that, I really get that. Um, 
um, yeah, like when you're living in a way like, oh, I don't have a backup. I don't have someone behind me to catch me if I fall. So I need all the money. I need all the money here with me just in case so I can be in independent and la 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 and do all of the independent stuff where I can be an ambitious person and I can rule the world. Okay, I mean, there's literally so many people in the world, maybe not a good idea for you to have that ambition to rule it. Um, but that, that um, I get that. But then once you once that is relinquished and you know that you can fall on the people around you, that also means that you have to step up and catch them if they fall, even if it's not a good time for you. If like people, my friends will call me when it's not a good time for me and I will call them when it's not a good time for them. And, um, and then you have to just be there for them anyway and find a way. Uh, and I think that's maybe something, I don't know, that I lost a lot when I was younger and really quite cutthroat and ambitious. And basically I just kind of operated under the impression that I was a middle-class angry white man for a really long time. And then discovered that that's, yeah, that's, that's not the only way to be. <laughs> no, but it's what we're all forced into. So yeah, it's, an, it's yeah. not. I'm really interested in puppetry. Shaq and what drew you to puppetry? Uh, what drew me to puppetry? I think I love um, and this is the same thing that I love about acting but it's it's trickier and it is harder I think not to say that puppetry is easy because it is not. Um, I love the technique of puppetry and how it's and when you're puppeteering it's laid bare you you can see where your your it's kind of like yoga as well um i think i used to do yoga thinking oh if i can push up really quickly that's good and that'll be but it's not you need to push up slowly and you need to come down to the ground slowly um because you need to be willing to be weak in order to become strong with yoga and it's the same thing with puppetry um you shouldn't fake it if you can't hold five sticks in one hand and puppeteer them independently then do bad puppetry in your room until you get better <laughs> and I really I really like that whole moving through supposed weakness whereas actually the whole point of that is you know there's no such anyway whatever there's no such thing as weakness it's all just a fucking journey but whatever and that's also what I love about acting is yeah moving moving through things I feel like I'm being a bit heebie-jeebie here but yeah moving through things to arrive at um, a really embodied place and oh <clears throat> oh I thought Misha was like I've got to tell you something now <laughs> my doorbell's just gone I'm so sorry Please continue on, I'll be back. That's exciting. I want to know what's arriving. I want to know what's arriving. She's probably bought more things off the internet. Um, No, but that's a really fascinating point, though, that moving through. Mm. And you're right, I don't think there is weakness at all. I think that's put on us in a society. Yeah, that you have to be there right from the beginning, which really, I think, perhaps, I don't know, but maybe that... um, perpetuates or like not perpetuates but feeds the hierarchy of children who have certain opportunities are at a certain point at a certain time and of course it does Mm. of course it does and also it's that thing of I think especially in the world we live in just now 
you know, that idea of quote unquote being famous and being successful within like, you know, the performing arts industry. Yeah. It's a lot of people don't realise the work that you have to put in and the lessons that you have to learn mm. because they see these people going on to a reality TV show and then all of a sudden they're super famous and everybody knows who they are and they're making lots of money. But that will only have a longevity for so long, whereas, you know, you want to be a performer. That's dedication to your craft and learning. You won't start off being brilliant. That's the process. No. Yeah, that's really, yeah. Yeah, I think I fall into the whole Instagram product-driven what's the end thing a lot. Um, And actually, I think the two, I mean, I'm trying, you know, lately I'm trying not to be judgmental of that and be like, maybe they can exist, they can coexist, maybe craft and capability can coexist with the product of what you're making at that point, at that juncture, and then you keep going and, and let that like refeed, refeed you, let that feed back into the journey, um, I hope, but yeah, I don't know, it's really tempting, isn't it, like I feel like I constantly feel like I'm being, um, seduced by unsustainable everything actually like not just unsustainable practices and as an actor um but and a puppeteer but also unsustainable everything in life <laughs> like just have short-term things and then don't think about after but that's capitalist marketing isn't it mm, that is literally just buy this make yourself happy fix yourself with this thing mm. and then you do all of that because you're like well it must be it must work because they're telling me and then you're like oh useless still feel crap still stressed still whatever I used to I used to really struggle with that and be like no I won't have anything because it's all just a short-term solution and then I realized (laughs) then I (laughs) bless me um and then I you know grew up a bit and like yeah I don't know I'm not saying like fine fine capital capitalism is okay like I don't know who knows I mean some people know don't they (laughs) but they are not me those people are not me um this this uh this like oh no you can't have this thing but you can have this thing like I have plenty of coping mechanisms because I absolutely need them because of the world that we live in. And whether or not there was capitalism as a system set up around us, I would still need those coping mechanisms because life was never easy. <laughs> life was never easy for anyone. We are all very struggling and damaged. And like what I, the only real thing that I find, ma- well, okay, I find loads of things offensive, don't I? You guys know me. <laughs> But one of the, one of the many things I find offensive is this notion of, of like not struggling, and I massive I fall into it all the time. Someone asked me how was lockdown, and I was like, "Yeah, it's fine. I've got I've got PTSD. I've dealt with worse." <laughs> and the little voice inside my head was going, "Well, there's some ego behavior going on today. Defensive, defensive." <laughs> but um, but yeah, like yeah, okay, <laughs> there we go. That's all I have to say on that. <laughs> Actually said her piece. No, but I think all of that is that idea of struggle. And I think it comes back to what you said about, you know, living your life like a middle class white man. <laughs> that idea of struggle is um, you know, because if we 
those of us who are not middle-class white men um, look at them, we kind of go, well, they've kind of got it sorted. Like, you know, they're, they're good. They've sorted it. So there's no struggle there. So that's what we will aim for. But then, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to give white men a pass in any way, shape or form. But I think my thing, and I'm kind of, the last couple of weeks is like, nobody really truly knows what goes on within other people's lives. Mm. So, you know, that person who's middle-class white man might have had a really abusive father might have had an alcoholic mother, might have had uh, no relationship with their parent at all because they were at a boarding school. And yes, that affords them opportunities in life in a financial way that doesn't go for other people, but there's a void then emotionally and with empathy. Yeah, yeah. And there's a cost to that as well. I actually, this is a game that I play with myself sometimes. I sit down and imagine I'm a middle class white man just to give myself a break um, from this. And always, always what comes up is a huge amount of pressure because suddenly I'm like, oh God, I have all this, not real power, but just perceived power because people consistently demonize middle-class white men and say we have look I'm just speaking in first person now we have all this power oh it's so unfair everyone expects me to change everything and fix everything but I'm also still just trying to make a living and maybe that living is huge but no amount of money will ever be enough because of capitalism and our inbuilt fear of lack of security so actually and and all of the I mean not that I befriend many but all of the middle class white men that I know are in huge amounts of pain um to my eyes and also have no very little support in dealing with it and I give I actually oh this sounds really wanky but I genuinely give gratitude every single day that I am a woman because women can reach to each other and we we have spaces and I think there are few and far between for men and I do think that that's one of the reasons why suicide is such a huge killer of men um but also I mean I don't really want to be talking about middle class white men on this podcast that much Nevertheless, uh, I don't think we're talking about men. I think we're talking about an idea of power. And the more that we move that power away from ourselves and talk with anger about this whole group of other people that have this power, they don't have shit, babes. They don't have shit. We have have it inside us as well. Like, I feel weird saying I have a middle class white man inside inside me. Oh, how did that happen? Um, but uh, we do. We we all have that, and like we all have that power, and it can look like you know so many different things inside our head, and that's been a really like useful change for me lately. Yeah, it's focusing your energy on yourself instead of obsessing over other people, isn't it? It's, mm. It, it kind of ties in a lot of the social media stuff as well about like how you're constantly seeing other people and everything they've got and comparing it to what you don't have Mm. and it's the same with power and energy like ultimately we are only ever going to have what we've got yeah and yeah I completely agree and the more we just like you were saying Misha about the coping mechanism behaviors and buying things on the internet by the way what did you get babes oh my god this is so bad so I bought a new phone (laughs) Ooh. 
I know I, my phone is really old and I'd like I've paid it off I've had it for years but it's just starting to glitch and so last night I panic bought a new phone and I it felt like the biggest like betrayal of like capital I was just like oh you don't need another phone this one's working fine I'm like but it's not it's slow and it keeps glitching and if it breaks I'll be fucked for work like I won't be yeah. able to do it uh, so I a phone Yes, it is your entire fault that the whole of Africa was colonized and now all of our mobile phones um, are made up of material dug from soil in the Congo. And I feel, I feel it's all your fault. It's all just Misha's one little fault. <laughs> it's nothing to do with an entire system that people didn't even realize they were bricking themselves up inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just, let's take that. Let's make you nice and guilty while Boris fucking Johnson sits there and just sideways <laughs> actually that's something that I was just thinking <clears throat> those with the true amount of power in this world and the amount of wealth in this world have actually made us all go oh it's the middle class white man actually the middle class white man doesn't actually have any power because he's answering to the ones up the top so while we ignore the ones up the top doing all the fucking damage we're aiming it at them. It's classic. Fucking yeah. it, fact, it, it's it's literally, it is literally the same tactic that was used to divide so many countries, including, well, I suppose, you know, since I'm mixed race Bangladeshi, um, India, which was, yeah, it was just divide and conquer. And that is literally, we this is, I mean, we all know this. Why am I just talking about it? Like I've just discovered it. But yes, this is what is, we are the victims of divide and conquer kind of rule and and uh, I find that really helpful to remind myself of on a daily basis and um, to help to staunch my anger which you know anger is so useful and so healing but if it can be directed let's direct it in the right way I guess well I, no I'm just sharing my own thoughts with myself trying to <laughs> coach myself through this I think that's really important though Shaq because that conversation that little tiny little conversation you've just had with yourself thousands of people have that with themselves every day and there's something about hearing somebody else do that that then makes you go okay I'm not alone in this trying to process everything and I'm not the only one that feels this way Mm -hmm. and actually if there's a way that we reach out and come together then that's that's it. So you keep having that conversation with yourself and let me record it on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I, would add, I would add about the anger for me that like anger left to fester is really damaging only to the person that it's festering in. Mm. But anger directed is powerful. It's exactly that. Like if you if we direct it in the right ways, then that anger is really powerful. But until until we know exactly where it needs to I don't know where where, I don't know where this is going I think I'm just like keep talking keep talking talk it out literally what I've just said talk it out babes like for me it is just there are so many like negative like damaging uses of anger that have been like yeah like middle class white men have got all this anger that they don't know how to channel and process because of the pressure because of the expectation because of this and it festers into this really like grotesque inability to emote except in explosive and violent ways quite often not always but like ultimately 
festered I don't know where I really am just like my brain has shut down yeah I like it I think I wonder if I mean I don't know obviously but I wonder if because uh, when you just said about anger festering and then exploding that was really typical of my process uh, although we have established that I was a middle-class white man so um maybe that's that. <laughs> I'm joking obviously I'm joking um uh we know we know (laughs) and yeah that was like that was really a big thing that I used to carry pretty constantly and I used to walk around waiting for someone to as we would say in West Yorkshire start on me and um and and that was like that yeah that was some really serious rage that I had and I don't usually like I think there are so many ways to metabolize rage and really it's not rage like for me at least it's the injustice of it's the injustice that I've just witnessed in that event or in that situation that has prompted all of this rage um and that needs to be spoken to or the the rage is just a symptom that will just keep coming back around Uh, but yeah I was a mess a year ago nine months ago and the anger the absolute like absolute shaking level of rage that I was experiencing had had to get out somehow and we were locked down Uh, and that's how I that's um that is what prompted the video of Triptych actually what a beautiful segue Uh, all Misha it was all Misha um so let's chat sure (laughs) let's chat triptych um triptych is a solo spin-off from a project that i've already been working on uh in another direction called the panda project and that project is a live art piece of work well concept um with my amazing collaborator nahara kanegi who uh, is currently in India um, and we met when I was in India the first time and I went back with funding from the Arts Council to work with her and um, just to see what what would happen and what happened was the Panda Project. Um, But we had not been able to work for a year and a half because I had gone on the Masters and she was in the States doing a Masters. so, um, So I had this concept in my head and I had a lot of other stuff in my head and my body and it was May and it was the beginning of June last year um, and I was not sleeping for like three nights um, and I genuinely, I'm not, I'm really not making this up. I put my panda makeup on, I switched my camera on and I made a video and that video became Triptych part one. Um, And I, and I, uh, yeah and then I was like I guess I've still I thought I just left it at that really um but everyone just so many people got in touch with me and was like they were like we love your panda so much we love her we want to know what happens next and actually I did an extremely like traditional linear narrative where I asked myself what does happen next for the panda um and I made a second video and then I asked what happens next and I made a third video and now it's kind of a beginning middle and end arc very uninventive um but luckily the content is quite inventive <laughs> but it's very theatrical it's what it's what most people are used to beginning yeah. middle and end yeah, it's, also, it's, it's also seasonal it's how our lives go it's so just after having that conversation about the linear thing the that we're like trees it all spreads out but we still have those markers so yeah that alignment 
yeah it happened in nine months as well and actually everything like when I when I was first diagnosed with PTSD I was undiagnosed for nine months and then I was diagnosed and I went through nine months of trauma therapy and when I traveled it was nine months um yeah and this has been a nine month process as well nine is your number apparently so tell us more about um the second and third videos and they are now live yes they went live uh two was it two days ago was it Monday Monday thank you <laughs> that's worrying I don't know um Still in lockdown it's absolutely not worrying <laughs> yeah geez man is it 2020 um and yeah <laughs> I uh um they went live on Monday and they're very kindly being hosted for me by the Royal Conservatory of Scotland they've got um they have this platform called RCS at home and it's basically a platform where you can go and watch performance that's made specifically for an online um, medium. And I think a lot of the work is starting to, exp because it's not television and it's not theatre, it's this weird in-between ground. And I think it's a really interesting ground where an audience member has more um presence or they they just have a new presence don't they and you have to ask the question of who is the camera what is what is the camera's position and usually that you've got when you're working on screen you've got other people taking care of that completely and you're put in this little bubble and you have to believe the scene and be in the scene and they will take care of it for you and in theatre you really invite the audience and you get to be present with them and feel and vibe off them and they can literally change a show from being blue to being green which is mad and wonderful and it's so it's it's such an odd combination of the two things when you're working with directly with camera as well and my favorite way to work I suppose is like to speaking to the camera um Anyway, so... Why do you think that is, Shaq? Why do you think that you like to direct it straight to camera? Ooh. Uh, hmm. Well, this was an experiment, actually. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so this was an experiment. Uh, not only is it experimental work, because I'm... <laughs> because of the content, dressed as a panda, talking about intersectionality. Um, but, well, I'm not talking about intersectionality, I'm talking about, I'm being, actually, I'm like being an intersect, aren't I? Is that the right word for it? The verb? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, who, knows? It, who knows? Let's just, anyway. Let's say it is. Let's go with it. Yes. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. I'm, be, I'm being intersectional. That's definitely a word. <laughs> and I'm like this, I'm this panda persona who is a meeting point for so many things. Um, kind of like, you know, those little, yeah, like a little star that's like, choo, 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 but like things are passing through as well as coming out and yeah, it's all just a chaotic mess. But that's Is that an intersection? <laughs> like, yeah, like an intersection. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Let's see what you did there, Mish. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the experiment, one of the, ex the, the experimental part of it for me, was that I um I have this I used to have this voice in my head whenever I tried to make work and that voice was the lens of 
as we've discussed, not actual middle quite middle <laughs> middle quietness, middle class whiteness, but um quietness. Um not not quite <laughs> not it, it not quite that. Um but because as we quietus <laughs> Hey, hey, McQuitness. Oh, I love that. I really love that. <laughs> Thank you both for this gift. <laughs> buddy, buddy, keep going. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't that it was for other McQuitness. It was for my own McQuitness. I don't know if I can. <laughs> oh no, I'm doing my Muttley laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, um, I'll, I'll stop laughing and then you'll stop laughing. It'll be fine. We're good, we're good. We're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it was for that that lens within me. It has always been, and even when, even when, and this is so bloody insidious and clever, isn't it? When I meet other practitioners of colour who speak about themselves and they other themselves, um, and the act of othering has to assume a default, doesn't it? And that notion of there's one particular default view and I am different to that. And when we use the word different, we don't mean everyone's on a level playing field and everyone's different to each other. We mean, I'm this, I'm this one thing. This is the default. This is where everyone's perspective needs to come from. And then anything outside of that, which of course everyone is outside of that, but anyway, anything outside of that is different and other. And so basically what I'm saying is, all of my work used to be made for a middle-class white notion, for my notion of a middle-class white audience, the ideal audience, the supposed already going to theater audience. Um, and all of this like insidious racist talk about people, air quotes, who you know, may not see themselves as theater goers. It's all just completely perpetuating hierarchical structures of racism and classism that I find offensive and embarrassing that I w perpetuated them for such a long time as a director. And um, luckily, you know, I, I really like, it was like a full-time job to change my mind about all of that stuff and to change my very thoughts, my automatic thoughts, not just to present as a person of color, but to actually change how I think. So I made this video against my usual better, better instincts. I made it for myself. I made it, and you know, I'm so tired of watching plays about, I, I actually, I really am tired of watching plays about white people writing plays. Cause I'm like, good God, good God. <laughs> Can we please write some of the, like what, what the hell is going on? Um, just because, yeah, oh God, I won't even start talking about quality and the racism. It's boring and we've seen it and we've seen it a fucking million times. Move on. Move on, please. So, but I decided to take a leaf out of these people's books and uh, experimentally make a piece of self-indulgent work for myself. I made it for people of colour. I didn't put any... I didn't make it for white people. And then if people of color can also watch this work, yay, I fucking made it not for people of a, like not for that default view. Um, whether that is, whether we're saying that it's second generation, Asian, people of color, women, working class, whatever, like all of the things that my, I myself have somehow deemed as fringe, fringe qualities, they swooped in and they became the default view and within the act of doing that it was actually really healing because I then finally was 
able to be like, also I am, I am like well middle class. I have so many traits that people could identify as being this or the other. And you know, like, and so do we all. So do we all. So where what the hell are, what the hell are we doing? Like saying this one thing or that one thing. It's all just to monetize it. Anyway, um, so that was the experiment. I made a piece of work and I think it's hinted at very clearly in the in the words at the beginning of the video of the, the part one of Triptych. Um, First of all, give everyone the permission to laugh. So no one feels that they're being weird and like self-racist or just racist. Um, and I also say this, you may not understand all of the messages here. They may not all be for you. <laughs> and uh, I really, that that was really like actually really empowering. And uh, it was really great to make a piece of work that spoke directly to my experience um, and othered othered people who don't have my experience and I think perhaps that's one way that I'm radically trying to live a change in my own head yeah that's <laughs> it gives people such perspective then doesn't it people who've never been other or people who've maybe been like a tiny bit othered but like it's never been a constant state to have to have that kind of experience watching something that they maybe don't get all of is such a kind of wake up call. And so it's so important. We all yeah. need to that we are all, we've all got <laughs> different perspectives and, and just because our perspective is our perspective doesn't mean it's the only one and the correct one and the, the one that everyone should be following. Yeah, I mean, I think so. But also I make this work for an audience. I make all my work for an audience and I'm grateful to them for inhabiting, like, like for being there and for bringing themselves to it. But I do think it's just, uh, um, and this is very much just me experimenting as an artist. This is not my actual opinion as a person, but um, I think it's really scary and it's really scary to go to a place where you don't give a fuck anymore. Um, and not just like sheer lacking in nuanced rage, but like genuinely releasing the authentic. And what I discovered from releasing the authentic is that everyone has something to connect to in these three pieces. Like, geez, people have sent me such personal messages about how this work is speaking to their experience. And those people are I can't, I can't in good conscience actually, I mean, now I'm just completely negating what I said earlier. I can't in good conscience say that this work is not for anyone because literally every type of variety of makeup of person has sent me a personal message with a response. Some people who don't write poetry have sent me poems because they, they feel this move to like generate something from having watched it. All of that just came from being asked why I'm speaking directly to an audience. <laughs> Maybe that's why. But it's important though. Mm. It's really, um, it's interesting that you've gone from, you didn't make it for anybody. And then you're saying, you know, all these people are, but isn't that fascinating in itself? That that decision to let yourself be free mm. then made your piece of, performance connect with so many other different people because as Misha says we're trained that our view is of one storyline it's of one you know that one focus 
and that in the Western world is of the white man, the white rich man. That is the focus of where we all sit. That's what we're supposed to live our life like. Um, no matter what your background, uh, race, religion, gender. That is our focus of a society. When actually, when we all are honest and authentic and speak what it is to be human, we're far more connected than we are in one linear yeah, point. Yeah, and to be flawed humans as well. It was, yeah, it was so... It was really hard to, I mean, the, you know, like to come to terms with the fact that, um, and this is actually thanks to the MA and to playing Queen Hermione in Winter's Tale, which was our spring production last year. I really struggled um, with the beginning of the process because I just couldn't convince my subconscious that I was a queen. And that was like, like it was so confronting to me to accept that, one of the ways in which I manipulate people around me is by pretending to be low status and pretending to be unthreatening um, and accepting that my personal journey, just mine, and I suspect it's quite opposite to a lot of people that I have encountered in my, in my journey as an actor. Anyway, uh, that my journey was I have to step into this space and stop apologizing constantly for being here. And I'm not even apologizing. I'm pretending to apologize, which is manipulative and unnecessary. And that was a really bizarre process to realize that I'm taking up space by refusing to take space. And I, I suspect quite a, something that a lot of women share because we just, we have such inherent power. We have such inherent ability to call things and see things. We have such trained skills to be able to identify truth and call it what it is, because we're so strong. Um, and then after like, I've, I hid from that for such a long time. And yeah, I think that's something that the panda in her flawedness does. Um, maybe that's something that speaks to people. That's so brave, Shaq, like recognising that shadow side of yourself, yeah. recognising that behaviour that appears as something that has come from like a vulnerable place is actually coming from like the aggressor place, like the opposite of the vulnerable, it's like the shell. Yeah. It's so interesting to like, I mean, wow, yeah, that's just, it's just such a huge observation of self uh, and so refreshing to hear when so often that's what people hide mm. and don't like to admit about themselves. We don't like to admit that it's the whole taking responsibility for our behaviours and our actions. And the reality is we can all be manipulative and we can all like abuse power because, yeah. because it's really easy to do that because we're vulnerable people who are trying to compensate for that yeah 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 but so we all do it it doesn't make us really shitty or inherently bad yeah but, but what makes us inherently shitty and bad is by perpetually like acting like that and not taking responsibility and being like oh I've just noticed that that's uncomfortable and that's not a side of me that is helpful or healing or in the highest 
like in highest good and it's so funny like I mean we are definitely going like I'm hitting I'm hitting the woo-woo now I pulled some cards this morning and actually one of the cards was about and it's a card that I pull quite frequently actually but it's about following um following your heart following like the path of love and if you're like always acting out of love if you're always like moving forward with like from that place of like intentional loving energy then your path will be abundant it will be the right path it will all unfold as it should and you don't need to like you don't need to move with that like this from the space of fear and lack and like needing things to be a certain way and like grappling and trying to like like control the power because that's going to push things away whereas if you are just coming back to it and being like I want to create this peace because I love myself and I value my experience and I'm creating it. And I think that is exactly why this triptych has done so well and Panda Project because it's coming from such pure intention and that's so exciting and it's of the highest frequency and I'm hitting all my like like I think we're in a high frequency right now with this lovely little triad that we've got going on but I would like as soon as you said love and acting out of love I did remember a bit in the second part two of the video spoiler alert maybe um yeah big spoiler in fact like really big spoiler (laughs) so the panda warning Um, the panda who was previously had experienced a miscarriage before the start of the first video um, actually knowingly endangers the life of her child that she's now pregnant with because she's fighting against the imaginary authorities who have taken her power away from her and she talks about um, I talk about it's a it's like it's a really dangerous flawed moment where this this panda is going to do the worst thing ever and and actually I like when you're creating characters um whether writing or improvising as I was or acting you you have to see all of their justifications don't you and to see how she completely believed that she has to do this because she's desperate because they've made her desperate um and it's not is you could argue that that's a choice made out of love for her unborn child and for herself and for the benefit of pandas everywhere um but also it's so not a loving act and I think that's that really speaks to a lot of I don't know, like epic characters that have that that capture that instinct to live and to die and to fight and to survive and all of that stuff. Um, so I think that's an interesting dichotomy. I would, yeah. I think that's really as a female, or as someone who can um, grow another human. You know, the panda is. So just as you were chatting there, I'm kind of thinking, okay, so this idea of her captors, mm-hmm. because, you know, they look after her, that idea. What is it that, and I'm just thinking about Edinburgh Zoo and the pandas that are in Edinburgh Zoo and the amount of times that it's been on the national news that the female panda is pregnant. Mm-hmm. 
because it's such a big deal to have her have a baby and it's that thing of like so actually as humans who can produce other humans there's a thing about we're only really here for that so something about taking that into play when you feel like you've lost all your power and you have no authority over your own life and your own body is a really big thing. And I'm sure that will resonate with a lot, a lot of people. And even just that thing that you just said, like the panda does the worst thing that they could possibly do. Yeah, seemingly. Yeah. Seemingly, exactly. Like it's that thing, it's that thing that's in, you know, our culture that if a woman chooses not to continue her pregnancy she's committed some sort of heinous act yeah yeah and it's not when actually it's about the authority over her own body Mm. I don't know it just thought it really hit me there that 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 idea of almost the thing for her um for the panda feeling like her power has been removed is like that thing for those of us who can have children or who supposedly can have children because we're born with a womb and ovaries um that you know that's really what you're here for not really here for anything else yeah what and again like to extrapolate that further (laughs) that sounds grown up doesn't it uh to extrapolate I mean and obviously I don't agree with that that's definitely not just why we're here FYI in case you're new to the persistent nasty podcast (laughs) Um, women own their own bodies (laughs) just to clarify for everyone um yeah I mean maybe you don't agree with it but it's in us isn't it it's in our heads because it's what we are fed and what we are fed is what is in us (laughs) ergo So, yeah, I think that notion of what are we for? What's our use? How can, again, how can we be monetized or productized is not a word, but I don't know, turned into a product of some, in some way, shape or form. And um, yeah, I really, you remind, like, thanks Elaine. That was really beautiful. And it reminded me of a tiny, tiny piece of writing that I did that had this one line in it. um, Losing is the only way I have to show you how insignificant I find your petty games. And I think it's really speaking, like, I think what you are talking to now is this, this lie, this game that we're being asked to play. And how do we remove ourselves from that? Maybe it seems as radical as, as like taking the life of something that you love. Maybe that seems radical to you, but it's not because every day, extremely radical things are done to us or we are put in a situation where we are asked to compromise everything about who we are and our spiritual and political and emotional well-being and physical well-being and that is told that is addressed up to us like a normal thing as though that's not radical um so yeah yeah I think yeah we are so much more than what we are worth and what we have to yeah offer up like little dainty sacrifices that plays into your whole thing as well about you realizing that you were using lower status and stuff because it's all strategies isn't it it's strategies that we learn 
to make our way and to be heard. So how are we going to be heard? Well, I'm not going to be heard if I claim my power. So I'll go around it because I've watched it. And that, what you've just said is just like, okay, so it's the same. It's like how we find that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That need to be heard because that's actually quite an ambitious. I grew up largely just trying to survive amongst a huge amount of um, things that were trying to not let me survive. So I, I know the feeling of uh, it literally being a question of surviving or the alternative to surviving. Um, and the notion of thriving is only something that, bizarrely enough, that was, I reached for thriving, but I had no legs. I was just like a, a torso and arms trying to clamber around the world without realizing that it's a, it's a bottom up journey um, from my bottom and my legs and uh <laughs> and that um that that's been a big question of the pandas and like the extended question of of the panda of uh not the panda project actually just triptych an extended question of why do people need to have so much why do we all need to be thriving constant like why do some of us think that we it's okay for us to thrive when it costs others the ability to survive that's the balance that I'm trying to explore not not necessarily like in a big political landscape mainly just within my my panda persona like survival survival versus thrival there are so many new words today um yeah and at the end that's kind of spoiler alert again at the end she has this baby and she's alive she, I mean, it's a bit clunky. <laughs> I think, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a student, haven't yet graduated. I do just blatantly say, I didn't get everything I wanted. Um, but the point being that the most that, the most that's most, that, that, the most that I can ask for is survival. I'm, I'm surviving. There's a little bit of thriving going on, but I'm very nervous to overdo the thriving because people can thrive like this can't they in one line and then look down at these other people and say oh but this is my mission for myself so never mind about like you can't survive and yeah maybe what is it their job to fix other people's lives for them um and that's why the panda talks about them so much and the systems because I'm talking about the systems that impact us as opposed to each individual needs to feel so guilty for the fact that 30% of our electricity comes from Morocco and people in Morocco can't buy their own food because it's all being sent to us, but they won't let them be part of Europe. Anyway, side note. Um, the, so yeah, like uh, I forget what my entire point was about thriving and surviving, but oh, at the end, she speaks to the fact that she really does have quite a flawed existence. She has to monetize her own baby to keep having her flat and her freedom. And she has to dress him up like a panda because pandas are hairless when they are born, by the way. Um, so she has to put the hair on him as well as on herself to go to work and sell this lie. Uh, but she's doing it with more knowledge this time. And I think that really speaks to, like maybe that was inspired by my journey of realizing that like we're all in the cage together <laughs> we're all in the cage together some of us are pretending not to be <laughs> but we are <laughs> yeah I heart you so much uh, thank you yeah, thank you so much I'm so excited for everyone to be able to go and watch Triptych the link is in 
the um, description of this episode. Misha pointed down as if we were on YouTube there. <laughs> Ring that bell, babes. <laughs> I'm like, and you can click subscribe here and... I'm literally I'm looking outside the box where you're pointing even though we are on a zoom call and it's clearly yeah. not there I'm like, oh, where's do subscribe and download and review it really does make a huge difference absolutely and yeah thank you Shaq for everything you've shared today um I am excited for everyone to hear this you are just an absolute treat <laughs> oh a treat that's a nice a way to be described thank you so much for having me you persistent and nasty has been a really big lifeline for me um for a while and yeah you've got me through lockdown so thanks for having me on the show Ooh, I'm starstruck <laughs> well the final question that we like to ask and and you may you may already know what's coming we ask, we ask our listener. No, we ask our. Oh, Elaine, you. Okay. Because I don't have an answer. Um, before we leave, we like to ask everybody what persistent and nasty means to you. I'm sure you already know, Shaq, but we call persistent and nasty for the Elizabeth Warren quote. Nevertheless, she persisted, and to reclaim the word nasty from the previous uh, president of the United States. I've decided I'm no longer giving him a name. Yeah, let's, he's not in my world. So um, we're reclaiming that word. So, Shakara Carter. I nearly middle named you there as well. Um, but I'm not going to. name, to be fair. <laughs> um, tell us what persistent and nasty means to you. Oh, gosh, I really don't. <laughs> okay, I didn't have an answer, but I'll find one. Uh, I think they mean two different things, actually, quite and quite separate things. Um, I feel like really supported by you two and by this community that you've created. Uh, and I think persistent means um, be, uh, being there on behalf of other people when they can't and moving forward for them. So we are a community. And even if that means you are get like you are not leaving them alone because they're saying it's fine it's fine what happened I'm not going to speak up about it and you are like you are speaking up and I'm here for you to do it or you're just saying we are here like we are together and yeah how we how we do that for other people how we are there for them and give them yeah support when they need it give them those legs for a time until they can grow their own such a weird metaphorical image <laughs> and um and yeah man nasty isn't it that is beautiful that is the best word ever <laughs> that is the best word like I will be whatever the fuck I want to be and no no doors inside my head are gonna are gonna judge me for anything that I'm being and as long as it's authentic and I am like yeah look into myself and look into the effects that I'm having on other people I'll figure that out but don't 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 you don't anyone including mainly myself suggest that I'm anything other than than this thing than this thing that I'm learning on this journey these words mean nothing actually I mean no, persistent and nasty means lots of things but but like this notion of calling us things from the outside means absolutely nothing and I think anyone who defines as a woman can can like can probably relate to that, to being made something of them when we are so enough. 
we are like we are so enough i don't we don't need anything to be made of us because we are we are we are creating as we go forward okay surprisingly had a lot to say about those two words considering i had nothing three minutes ago <laughs> love you <Yeah. laughs> love love thank, thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Persistent and Nasty Podcast. We'll see you next time. And until then, stay nasty. Smashed it.